guys from wherever they feel like it. It's Two Guys Watch a Movie! Who is your host? Two Guys! Hey everybody, welcome to Two Guys Watch a Movie, episode number nine. The the actual episode the number real nine. episode number nine uh we're two guys when we watch movies i'm jordan Ehrlich. i'm tommy quartz and this is our podcast about movies and movie related things tommy how are you good sir i'm not bad you know <laughs> it's uh it's trump's last day in office it is uh we are recording this on trump's last day in office january 19th uh by this time uh by the time of this release Hopefully, we will not be in the middle of a civil war. I'm going to knock on wood for that. All right. Um, Let's hope. Yeah. Um, I'm, very, I'm very happy about that. Um, yeah. Did you know that uh, SAG, uh, among the many other things that are, uh, among the many other corporations and organizations that are disowning Trump right now, did you know that SAG-AFTRA is looking to expel him? Oh, good, good. Uh, I did not know he was still... Member of SAG. I feel like, <laughs> don't you lose that after a certain amount of time, too? Though? I don't know the specifics, or if you have to, like, keep working in order to maintain a membership. I have no idea how that works. Or, like, you pay your... I think it's union dues. I mean, I don't think it's a lot of money or anything, but I think you do pay them. But I'm not really sure how that works. I'm SAG eligible. I should really do this. Do it! I'm nowhere... I don't think I'm SAG <laughs> eligible. If you are, like, yeah. Why not? After all this is over, do it. Yeah. And you'll have one thing that, that Trump might not have. Uh, <laughs> That's right. But yeah, they're citing the uh, inciting the riots as being the cause behind uh, his ex- potential expulsion. Uh, sure. Well, yeah. Surprise, surprise. Um, but yes, uh, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. Tomorrow is un- the beginning. It's the beginning of something. I should say. It's not like things are going to yeah. change overnight. But oh well. Um, have you watched any uh, any movies lately? Oh yeah, quite a few this week actually. Aside from uh, the ones we watched together, that's uh, or the ones we both watched. Yes. A boyfriend for Christmas. A boyfriend and, for Christmas. I, and WandaVision, I guess not a movie, but um, also I watched this week uh, American Pickle. Oh, that's the I saw that one. That's the one on Seth uh, Rogen yes. plays himself and well, not himself. Seth Rogen plays a a, a guy, you know. And his, Seth and his type character, yeah, and, and his, his great grandfather, right? And I, it's pretty good. I thought it was good. Yeah, it yeah, was. I liked it. It was a good fit for like I think that's an HBO Max original. It was a good fit. Yeah. I thought for that streaming service. Yeah, I liked it. I, I found myself getting frustrated by it, uh, just by the plot of them not because it was just so obvious. Oh my that god, they should team up! I, I'm so happy you said because I, I felt the same way about that. Like I thought it was a yeah. fine movie, but like I wanted to see them like you can still tell that story and have them like because in the movie they don't like each other, like they're at odds. Yeah, well, and then Seth. I mean, I'm the, the main, the younger, the 21st century character keeps screwing over the old guy in every way he can. Yeah. It's like everybody likes this guy already like don't just just uh, and so yeah it, i found myself getting frustrated with the obvious conclusion which ended up being the conclusion yeah i i have the same issues um i watched uh i watched a couple of movies this week outside of the ones that were assigned to us uh i watched 
Uh, last night I watched for the first time. Have you seen Bumblebee? You know what? I haven't seen Bumblebee, but I would love to see it. I saw it got a really good review. Yeah, I was very surprised by how much. I mean, I saw the good reviews as well, and yeah, this is one that I'd wanted to see for a long time, but just never got around to it. It's really good. It's it's lighter. It's less noisy. There's still like explosive robot fights, but it doesn't feel like overkill like the Michael Bay ones do. And he's still a producer of this one, but it's a lighter movie. It's more, it's a lot more like story driven. It's a good movie. Interesting. I mean, that sounds, you know, I like, I don't hate, I, you know, I grew up like in Transformers cartoons and mm-hmm. toys and shit. And so like, you know, live action Transformers, I was, thought it was fun. It's, it's you know, it's I, a stupid movie. Yeah. Uh, and not super. It's not <laughs> one you have to really like, think about while you're watching and i love that aspect of i love the first transformers yeah uh, i agree i mean i agree it's fun it's 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 you know it's got plenty of problems but uh but it's still fun and i like the idea so i would really maybe i should check bumblebee out because because i would like a good transformers movie it is a good transformers movie it's worth it um anything else you've watched let me just check my hulu like recently watched or netflix recently yeah. watched because uh, while you're looking for that, I watched another one this last week. Uh, have you heard of the movie Promising Young Woman? Uh, yes. It's uh, it's about something awful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's very much like a, it's like a darkly comedic like revenge thriller. It's got like a ve- it's a very like there's a very me too aspect uh, to uh, yeah. it. Um, right. It's really good. Okay, cool. I want to see that. Do it. It. Maybe. Okay, it's from last year. Promising young woman. Okay, yeah, I remember seeing the trailers for this. Did we? When would I have seen a trailer for this? Maybe a while ago. Maybe in a theater. It was supposed to come out back in. This premiered at Sundance last year. That's it. And okay, so yeah, that's it. I, I bet I saw a trailer for it in a theater. Yeah. A movie theater? Do you remember those? Oh, good time. Yeah. They're, they're big and they're dark and they have a Lexit sign. And they got like a giant like, screen in front of you. Oh, big old oh, my screen. God, loud yeah. speakers. Oh my God, those were, those were something. Okay. <laughs> Can I tell you what I bought this week? And I haven't yet tried it out, but I will report back next week. Mm. Uh, I purchased the specific exact brand of uh, salt that they use at most movie theaters really and the specific exact brand of uh oil they use for popping popcorn at most movie okay theaters. now i haven't had a chance yet to make official mo- movie theater popcorn oh, it's like it's weird it's like this weird packaging so the salt is called flavacol and like on the side of the box i'll, I'll show it to you but it says like increase your popcorn profits with flavacol and it looks like it's like straight out of the 1950s oh and my like, god and it's like use quality popcorn with flavacol. I like, love it. Um, but I opened it up, and just like the salt itself, like you can smell oh, that's movie theater popcorn. I miss it. I've gotten my fix a little bit occasionally. Like I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before, but uh, there's a movie. My favorite movie theater in the world is like just down the street from our our apartment here, and. They, on the weekends, what they've been doing is to-go... Which is which theater? Huh? Music Box, right? Music Box, yes. Yeah. Uh, They are doing to-go concessions. Oh, nice. Actually, at the time of this release, it'll still be... If you can... uh, This weekend, they're doing their to-go concessions, and for an extra, I think it's $25, they're going to throw in a 500-piece puzzle of the Music Box. (laughs) Um, Oh, that's cool. They're not, like, sponsoring the show or anything, but I wanted to plug that, because it's really cool, and it's cool to support your theaters, but... 
I, yeah. I, I say that because I, I, that's how I've been getting my fix of like movie snacks because as part of the to-go concessions, they throw in a giant-ass bag of popcorn. And Ooh, that's pretty good. It's fun to cook your own popcorn at home, but like, there's nothing like movie theater popcorn. Well, so that's the uh, that's the plan is to replicate movie theater popcorn because I've gotten like you know movie theater butter over Redenbach or whatever, right. and it's good and it's buttery and salty and great, but it's not movie theater, right? There's something different about it. So I'm very excited to try out this reel. Give us uh, gotta give us a status update on that in the next episode. I will. Well, I will, but I have to have a good movie to watch. Oh, uh, there you go. Well. Speaking of good movies. Yeah, speaking of good movies. A boyfriend for Christmas. A boyfriend for Christmas. Oh my god. Do we want to jump into uh, our uh, our new segment from last week? Which is, I dare you to watch this? I dare you to or watch what? this movie. I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you. I double dare you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let the games begin. Whoa. So, what I was going to say earlier that I, I think what's interesting about Hallmark movies is that this wasn't that bad in terms of like bad movie making. It was very efficient. It's very competently made. Yeah. It really is competently made and it's efficiently told. I mean, it's a 90 minute movie, but like a good amount happens. There's moments to it's well paced. Like it's, it's not like you said, it's competently made and I think uh, this is like one of the archetypes for like, I don't really know when the Hallmark Christmas movie came to exist. Right. Yeah. But like, I think it's around late 90s, early 2000s. And so this was like sort of one of the first, this isn't, you know, this is with the archetype, but I think it's like, you got your your woman who's too busy caring about her career to worry about Christmas. And that's the thing, is she worried, that's the, like, it's a total archetype of the, like, the standard Hallmark holiday movie, like, this woman didn't seem especially consumed by her job, though. No, she really wasn't after, after the first scene, and yeah. same with the, the man, too, that he's, like, really, you know, into this lawyer job and this and that and then like they show they establish that he works there but also he's a good guy and then they never mention either of their jobs again it's just like until the very end like it doesn't come it never comes into play like neither of them is so start at the beginning here the movie is about a it's i I assume like maybe the 80s or something like that yeah definitely the 80s in the mall in the mall santa and a, a girl who's like she's like 12 and too old to be seeing Santa, but she wishes for a boyfriend for Christmas. And then <laughs> 20 years later, uh, Santa, who I believe is supposed to be the real Santa. Um, yeah. And, her... and it's weird. They both, they both just casually accepted it. It's like, Oh yeah, that's the real Santa. He lives in my <laughs> small town in Ohio, <laughs> wherever they are. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that's Santa. And, like, it takes her, like, a few, I mean, one scene to accept it, that it's legit. It's okay, but yeah. Also, giggle, that's, no, you raise an excellent point there. It's like they just accept that. Like, you would think that she would be the skeptical, like, somebody's going to be a skeptic about Christmas, but nobody pretty, really is. Like She's pretty easily swayed by, like, the holiday spirit. It's, she doesn't, she's not convinced. She's not super set in her ways. But the other thing I loved was... The fact that our our main male love interest yes. is the that he plays a, a it's practically a prank on her by like 
saying that he's the boyfriend she wished for for Christmas. And she's like, did did my friend set this up? And he's yeah. like, sure. Okay. But that's the creepiest shit in the it, world. It's weird. Well, <laughs> here's the thing about that. He goes that. to her house on Christmas morning and lies about where he's from. Well, he, okay, so <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, I guess she's a, she's a lawyer, social She's a social okay, worker. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's why she can't. And so she's at the courthouse at the beginning with these two kids whose mother, I guess, the, the kids were taken away from their mother because the mother was homeless. Um, and she's good now. She's, she's got a home now. and a steady job and all that. And her love interest is the lawyer. The lawyer needed to be present at the the custody hearing oh, right. in so order for the kids to go back to the mom. And he missed the, the custody hearing just barely. Right. So... He overhears her on the phone. They're just in the same place talking about about him and what an an a-hole he is. So he pretends to be somebody. He he gives himself another name. Um, Yeah. And Santa, like, I think there's like, he, he gives her a snow globe that has like, it says like, you'll get the boyfriend over the next 20 years. Something on the 20th yeah. year. And... Yeah. Is Santa kind of half-assing this? Because he kind of... It seems like Santa kind of realizes, like, oh, shit, I didn't get her a boyfriend. Hey, random guy, you want to do me a favor? uninvolved would have been the same... If Santa wasn't here, it would have been the same situation. If it was a fake Santa, not... If it was just a mall Santa... Yeah. It still could have worked. I think so. (laughs) I wasn't sure if this was the real... I think it's supposed to be the real Santa. No, it's... Oh, it's the real Santa. Okay. Sure. Yeah. And... So, if... Is this guy not the per? This guy is definitely not the perfect boyfriend then, because like, it Santa is like, hey, random guy, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna date her? You wanna help me out here? And like, and he's like a lawyer, but he's a he's good a good guy. guy. He's he loves kids. He gets kids, and he ends up like not soon. Here's another thing that bothered me: it was like, yes, he fucked up by not going to the custody hearing, but like he ended up working it out so the kids could spend Christmas with their mother. Yeah, why didn't he just yeah. tell her that? Like, <laughs> like, just tell her, hey, I, I, I fucked up. Oh, oh, sorry, oh no. Oh, God. Guys, can we chill the fuck out, please? Give me a dog in here. I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> Peter, come in here. We record it. Uh, <laughs> come on, Peter. Special guests, Petey. Pete is Pete is a 20-pound uh, puggle. And uh, we have a 50-pound pit bull in the house. Uh, Pete is uh, 12 and is the aggressor against this one-year-old oh. pit bull who is like, what the hell? Oh, I just want to play. That's so sad. Um, yes, and Pete says, well, I'm a oh, little bully. This is my house, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's an asshole. That's, oh, that's Pete he's a sweet you. asshole, though. It's one so sweet asshole. asshole. That was a line in a porn movie somewhere. Okay. Um, all right. So, <laughs> boyfriend for Christmas. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. So it's like, why doesn't he just tell her like, "Hey, I was an a hole. I should have shown up to the custody hearing. Um, I I did get the kids back with their mom. Just just tell her that." Yeah, I know. They could have the whole movie. The whole. Well, it's really not much conflict at the end. It's like one scene where she's mad at him and then... Yeah, and she's like in on it. Like, she realizes how ridiculous this all is. It's like, okay, fine, I'll play along. Like, 
But what about Ted? There is, is Ted? A, the, the angry, the, the jealous ex, Ted, who I was trying to figure out who that guy was for a little bit, and I looked him up. It's the fucking UPS guy from Legally Blonde. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of actors you might have also recognized, did you recognize Gene Parmesan? Martin Mall, dude, of the, ah! who was Colonel Mustard in Clue. Um, yeah, I saw, he has an extensive They just, they, they were, it's like, by the name. way, it's like they felt as, they were so lucky to have Martin Mull in their movie, they literally just named the character, he plays her father, and they name him Martin. Is his name Martin? His name's Martin. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they must have been like. We need a name for you, yeah, let's just call you, uh, Martin, Martin Mull. It's like Tony Danza. Yeah, you can't have Tony Danza not play Tony. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I would say A Boyfriend for Christmas, my overall opinion of it is that it is just boring. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I found myself reaching for my phone I Yeah, the last half of the movie, I was just like, okay, there's no... I'll tell you right now, I the I thought this was going to be much like much more of a like so bad it's good watch. Um, I was hoping for that, And too. the opening scene set that up perfectly because literally from second one, because of that fucking Mariah Carey rip-off song at the oh, beginning. Yeah. Oh, man. With, that the, was with the, the lyrics about wanting a boyfriend. I'm gonna put a, I'll put a clip in here, a little bit of a clip in here, just so everybody yeah. can hear it, because it's ridiculous. Because it's it's exactly Mariah Carey rip-off, it, but, but, like, the lyrics are changed. Yeah. You know I mean, like, the jingle bells, everything is just... It just sounds like an, a bizarro world. <laughs> it's like an alternate <laughs> universe. like oh god this is oh wait is this a different song oh it is oh weird it's uh and i wasn't sure if that song at the beginning was like tongue-in-cheek or not like they knew what they were doing or if it was trying to be sincere because the rest of the movie is pretty sincere yeah i know it was definitely sincere i part of me really was i think a part of me just really was to think that it's like let's just we we, they knew what they were doing but yeah yeah well so when I was looking up, like, you know, worst Hallmark movies, like, a lot of them I was seeing are just, like, really averagely reviewed. Like, not bad, oh, okay. not great. And so, like, that sort of just goes to the what we what I was saying earlier. And, you know, they're competently made. They're efficiently made. They're not great. But they are what they are, and they're pretty good at being what For they sure. Are. And this one does not do things any differently from the formula, I think. Yeah. Like, which, for better and for worse. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. Fun. I mean, it's, it's a Hallmark movie. I had a couple, just a couple of other random thoughts. Um, if all she needs is a boyfriend, like that doesn't necessarily mean her and the boyfriend are going to end up together. Like all Santa promised yeah. her was the boyfriend. Like I guess they're not going to get married. Like no, they're going to date for two weeks and then call. It that doesn't seem like much of a win for Santa. I don't know. He wasn't really. He wasn't really involved. He had tested on the train. <laughs> he years. said, like, "Oh shit, I did do that." He said that at the, the beginning, like twenty years earlier, so I have to get this fucking kid off my back. And then, like twenty years later, he's like, "Oops, I gotta do this, or the universe is going to implode, or something." I remember that? Huh? Um, and then um, my last thought on this movie: that lawyer quits his job 
because the company he works for lied to him and is actually going to... He thought they they were going to provide housing, I think, for homeless people, but they were going to actually tear down the building. He quits his firm at the end of the movie, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to tear down the building still. Yeah, I'm sure they still will. He's not... Is he just being realistic? Just being realistic? Like, ah, fuck it. I don't know. I guess I'll go... I'll go protest. <laughs> go to a protest or something. Yeah. That's how you do it. There you go. That's all I've got for that. A Christmas, uh... Boyfriends boy for Christmas. Alright, let's dive into our next segment for the show. It's a segment called Questions. No! No! Okay. You go first. Jordan. Oh, okay. Um, so... My fiance Gabby and I, we were watching uh, a little while ago, we were watching Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And it got me thinking, it, what if, like, in that year, like, Voldemort just decided, you know, it's summer of 1994, I think it was, Voldemort just decides, you know what, I'm not going to put my plan into place, I'm going to take a year off, take a sabbatical from doing evil things, we're going to we're gonna do this next year. So, you know... Harry's name is never put in the Goblet of Fire. Triwizard Tournament happens, and Harry has a wonderful last year. A normal year. Lovely. If Harry's name had not been put in the Goblet of Fire, who would have won the Triwizard Tournament? So we have, um, we got three contestants here. We've got Cedric Diggory of Hogwarts. We've got Flor Delacour of Beau Battens. And Victor Crumb of Durmstrang. Uh, So, a couple questions. Follow up. Yes. For your questions. We, this is the yes. question segment, so I can only... Uh, <laughs> you can ask as many as you want. Now, is this book or movie? I thought of that. Um, let's go Cedric. movie, because this is a movie podcast. Oh. Uh, yeah, sure. If there's certain elements that are missing, we'll we can fill we'll it discuss. in with the book. Hmm? Okay, yeah. yeah, we'll discuss each. But, okay, well, movie, I think Fleur is an easy loss. Fleur is pathetic yes. in the movie. Yeah. Um, in the book, she's the- a lot more capable and a lot more fleshed out. Yes. Um, in but the I movie version, that... the thing that like keeps me from, it doesn't affect so much in the book, but in the movie, like, I think in the book as well, I'm thinking specifically of the second task, where in both the movie and the book, she fails totally. to complete the second Good task. Time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I, but that doesn't necessarily, I think, I don't remember if they do this in the movie, but in the book, I think like your placement in the second task determines your... Like order, yes, the order to start for the third task. Yeah, well, let me ask: Do you remember in the book and movie what conflict arose for Fleur? Did, did she get grabbed by a uh, Grindylo or some? I think it was the Grindylos, and I remember Hermione specifically pronouncing it like it's the Grindylos. She never got past the Grindylos. The uh, Grindylos, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. I. Right, I do. I think that was what it was in the second, in the book and the movie. And here's the thing, though, is like, Floor, in the third task, Floor was taken down by Victor Crumb, who was put under the Imperious Curse by Crouch yeah. as Moody, who would never have been at Hogwarts if, like, if this hadn't happened. Well, it also makes you wonder, why would Moody Imperious Crumb instead of Floor? If Fleur, would the, wouldn't that make you think Crumb's an easier target then? Well, I think he imperiated Crumb to take down both of them. Right. And leave who, Harry. Who was the easier target to be imperiused? 
Wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't Harry be the easiest target to be Imperialist? Why wouldn't he just Imperious Harry and have him go through and stun everybody? I don't know. I guess it was just a matter of, like, keeping Harry pure. Yeah, maybe? well, I, yeah, I wonder also maybe, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe it was just opportunity that, that he was just able to Imperious Crumb. Yeah. You know, and he it, just saw him I, got lucky when he was alone. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I mean, you've got... Three very athletic contestants here. You've got Cedric Diggory, who's Hufflepuff Quidditch captain. Um, yeah, you have Victor Crumb, who's literally a professional. He's Quidditch like the player. LeBron James I mean, of Quidditch. Yeah, well, it's like a it's like a high school player playing against yeah, literally LeBron. And so yeah. like yeah, he went pro. So like he's on the national team too. Yeah, not only is he just pro, but he's national. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like he's just the best Bulgarian there is at at. Yeah. Quidditch. Oh yeah, hands down. Not to mention, you know, he's probably on a protein, but like Sure. Yeah, yeah. This is the World Cup, the Quidditch World Cup they're going to get. Yeah, everybody. so I mean, I think in terms of, yeah, I mean, broom ability, obviously, we got to give that one to Crumb. I think Harry's pretty good on a broom and so is I mean, they're Quidditch. all very capable. Um, I think, yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see high school or not high school, you know, It'd be interesting to see a, a sixth year, because I think that's the best year for Harry. Uh, it'd be interesting to see a sixth year Harry against, like, a, a quick That would be, yeah. I would be Because is the skill level that much different, you know? I mean, because, like, I, people go from high school seniors to the NBA. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, Harry could, I mean, I think he could have. Well, and Ginny, I think. You know, it's um, a world of difference. Ginny actually went she goes pro, pro right? after, uh, yeah. well, after, I would say after high school, I guess, for a little bit. But Harry could huh. have, right? Harry could. I have, right? mean, what Harry did, like he never went back to school after the events of Deathly Hallows. I think he went straight. Him and Ron went straight yeah. to being Aurors. Um, did they? I thought they went back and finished. No, Hermione did though. Hermione went back oh, and finished. Okay. Um, so, <sighs> my first instinct overall is to say Cedric Diggory. I think he's the better wizard. Like he takes down. I, I'm thinking back to the movie and how like Crumb was. Uh, you got a visitor. Hey, um, I was thinking back to how Crumb in the movie, what, when he was under the Imperius curse, like Cedric Diggory took him down pretty quickly. Like he's in, a, I think Cedric mm-hmm. in the, uh, I think in the book he's supposed to be in his seventh year. I think so. Um, and I mean, defense against the dark arts, uh, is, seems to be pretty thorough at, at Hogwarts aside from year five well, change. Well, the, yeah, we exactly. Even though, like, when they have bad teachers, at least they're still learning. Yeah. Um, so Cedric Diggory, like, he takes down Crumb very quickly. I don't know if that's because he was under the Imperius curse and he just didn't have all his senses, but, like, he takes him down pretty quickly. Like, in terms of skill as a that's wizard, true. like, Cedric Diggory is pretty high up there. Like, I would agree. Yeah, my first instinct was to say Cedric. I feel like Crumb has obvious flaws, you know, sure. going in, like, all aggressive... He, you know, he's a berserker barbarian type. Right. right? Yeah. So, like, he's probably, you know, to me, he's probably got limited range and limited mobility. He's like the brute. Yeah, like the brute. that's really the case. Yeah, but he, yeah, he's a total brute. He's a, he's a close-range brawler to me. I mean, I don't know if that works with spells. But I feel like, you know, he'd be, he'd have trouble. He's a, you know, we'll go different, we'll go basketball, we'll go back to basketball. He's a center, <laughs> right? Whereas I feel like, uh, Cedric is a forward, power forward, or a, uh, and he, yeah. could, you know, he can take the three shot, or he can drive in and fight against the center. Where, yeah, and I feel like mm-hmm. Flora is probably more of a point guard. I could see that, yeah. 
And I think, Flora, I mean, Flora is incredibly, an incredibly adept witch, but, like, I don't... They all do the dragon uh, task. They right? all do, oh yeah, they all complete it successfully. Both in the movie and the book, we don't really find out how they did it. I don't... Or we, guess we, we get, like, a sentence description from Hermione or something. I feel like, like the book had more of a description, but, like, yeah, the movie, you don't see it at all. Um, and that's the thing, I mean, and going back to the second task, we know that... Um, Igor Karkaroff, the headmaster of Durmstrang, would have told Crumb about the secret of the egg and how to like, like we we know they would have told them about the dragons. Oh, they, they would have told them. Okay, yeah. you know, uh, they would have told them about all the tasks because they weren't supposed to know about the tasks. Yeah. But they, Floor and Crumb, both had headmasters. You got Karkaroff and you got Madame Maxine at Bobatins, who would have also told Floor about the dragons and about the secret of the egg, putting it under the water. My other question is, would Cedric Diggory, because in the book and I think the movie, like, Moody is the one who tells Cedric to put the egg in the water. Harry's the one who tells Cedric about the dragons. Um, oh, but it's Moody in the... Oh, interesting. In the, yeah, because I remember in the movie much better that that Cedric tells him about the second Yeah, egg. Cedric tells Harry about the second and egg. Cedric tells about the, the egg. egg. Second Yes, egg. and my question is, like... With all these circumstances that arose from Harry's name being put in the Goblet of Fire and, you know, Voldemort's big plan, would Cedric Diggory have had an equivalent, you know, like a professor at Hogwarts who would have told yeah, him? Yeah, I think he would have. Yeah, I do. I think he would have. I think, I don't think it would have been Dumbledore. No. Dumbledore likes to, likes to let the kids figure it out on their own. It's like, I'm not telling he's you. A dick. <laughs> yeah, but I do think, um, I think, who's, I mean, I think he would be getting clues... I think Hagrid would help out even. I mean, I think, like, if not him, every other student is help. you know, wants Hogwarts to win. Yeah, there's got to be, like, somebody with Hogwarts. Maybe Sprout. What about Professor Sprout? She's the head of his house. Okay, if Harry was having a normal year, why wouldn't he even, you know? I feel like Hagrid would have also, like, would have told Harry and, you know, the Golden Trio about the dragons. Yeah, right. I think Harry respects him enough. They have enough. I remember in the book how even like, I remember even in like the third book. I think back to like when Harry played against Cedric and how like great of a guy he was. Because you know Harry fainted and because of the Dementors and yeah, they yeah. lost the Quidditch game because of that. And then Cedric like caught the snitch, but then like he found out the circumstances and was like, "I want to re. We've got to do a rematch. Like that's not fair." Yeah. I remember yeah. that like he's such a great guy. Like he's got to be friends with everybody there. Yeah, I think I think. That's one reason, too, why I picked him first, is because, like, the little I know about him sort of idolizes him, makes him... Because, like, he doesn't have any flaws because we haven't looked that deep yeah. into him. Yeah. You know? So, I, yeah, and I like it. And, and also, I wonder, too, if my... Both of our newfound appreciation for uh, Robert Pattinson... I've got... Yeah, I feel like... It Maybe because like I'm thinking of him, and there's like a charm. I can't. There. That's the thing about the movies. It's like I can't think of the characters as like book characters anymore. Now I got to picture them as they are in the movies. But I mean, yeah, he's I so good. Like Robert Pattinson is so good in that movie, though. Like he, he is Cedric in there, and he helps make him likable. I think. Um, but yeah, yeah maybe it's just because like like Cedric so much that I want him to be the winner. I don't know. I think I would go. I think I would go Cedric. I think Hogwarts trains their students to be great wizards. Um, you got Igor Karkaroff leading Durmstrang, who is an ex Death Eater. 
Yeah, I feel like they're probably they're great at offensive spells. I would imagine yeah. um, most of the Derm Strength folks, uh, and I would imagine most of the uh, Bobaton folks are good at uh, charms. That sounds about right. I think they're still very fierce. Everybody is still very fierce. Everybody's got that drive. Um, I think I think I would go. Ced- I mean, I think I'd go Cedric. I think I, was, I think we go Cedric Diggory. Yeah, I think Hogwarts. I mean, the Hogwarts training. You can't beat it. Yeah. Most all around, I think. Yeah. Much agreed. All right. Now I've got a question for you, Jordan. All right. What is your question? Do you think there will be a major release of a COVID movie? <laughs> Whether it's like, you know, a, a, a uh, what's the contagion style, like, you know, movie, or if it's like a, you know, love in the time of COVID-19 style or something you know fun fact i think we cracked a joke when we were talking about the pro we talked about the prospect of a covid movie okay yeah uh in an earlier episode and i think we were joking about the title like being love in the time of coronavirus yeah they better not i mean obviously there that will happen um it did yeah okay it did yeah freeform made a tv series called love in the time of coronavirus i think it was freeform it's a tv show about like couples living during coronavirus, it. Oh, okay, and it's reality. No, I think it's a fiction show. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that came together pretty quick. Um, in terms of major releases, because they just did HBO Max just released like I don't know, it's not necessarily about COVID, but it takes place during the COVID nineteen during a COVID nineteen lockdown in London. Uh, it's called I think Locked Down. Uh, it's Anne Hathaway huh. and Chew Little Edgy Four. Uh, play a couple on the brink of separation who are forced to quarantine together. Do you think, well, let me ask, do you think there will be uh, more than just one or two? I, see, I always picture, like, something, I think I predicted, like, maybe HBO would make a movie with, like, Al Pacino as Dr. Fauci. Oh, yeah? Um, interesting. I could see that happening, yeah. and like, but, like, a major release. No, um, an HBO movie sounds very, very likely. But where like a, a like historical kind of like yeah like, like something very low key and like dramatized but like based on facts yeah like I see like Jay Roach kind of making that kind of or a like movie FX uh, like they like a their, limited series yeah the OJ Simpson thing like American Crime Story American, okay yeah, like American pandemic story there you go yeah Ryan Murphy there's your idea right there free of charge man um. <laughs> I feel like, well, with American Crime Story, it would feel like that would, if they were to do that, I mean, they'd have to be a new show like American Pandemic Story, because if they did American Crime yeah, Story, yeah. it would feature Donald Trump yeah, as the be. criminal, and I don't want to fucking watch anything with that guy. Oh, that could be a thing, too, though. They could do an American Crime Story on his, the whole fucking, I mean, just the whole administration, though. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what they're doing, like, for their next season for American Crime Story yeah. is fucking um, Bill Clinton and the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Okay. It's, uh, which I think they had to recently pause it because of everything, Yeah, yeah. but it's Clive Owen as Bill Clinton and, um, Beanie Feldstein as Monica Lewinsky and Sarah Paulson is playing, um, is it Linda Tripp? Has, you have to have Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson, if it's American blank story. If it's a, yeah, in. if it's a Ryan Murphy show, Sarah it's going to have Linda Tripp? Sarah Paulson in it, which is not a bad thing because Sarah Paulson is great. Oh, she's amazing. I love Sarah Paulson. Oh my god! Um, terrific on that first season of American Crime Story. Holy oh my shit. god! Well, and uh, American Horror Story, 
Asylum season. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, she was great. Um that right, was well, Shall we talk WandaVision? Let's talk WandaVision. So I mean, so my first impressions of this like I'm I'm confused. I have no idea what is going on. But this is a let's this is a different kind of confusion from say like Tenet. Like we have no idea what the fuck's going on no matter how many times I've watched it. Um, it's, I mean, obviously they haven't released, you know, in the course of the show, they haven't talked about any details about, or any specifics about what is going on here, but it's a slow burner mystery. I'm digging it. Yeah. I, um, it is weird how much they're embracing the fifties, uh, sitcom genre. I love it. But I love it. I mean, it's crazy, but I mean like everything, the set design and I mean, it's a hundred percent like. 50s sitcom, like, and it's very clearly influenced by I Love Lucy and Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie, yeah. like, the little cartoon intro and everything. Uh, and then there's, you know, just these couple, I mean, two hints an episode. Yeah. So, it, to me, it's been a little so weird that it's a little frustrating, because, like, I, I love it. I mean, it, I like it. Uh, but, like, I do hope uh, it gets past the 50s sitcom a little more. It, it is, I think. Um, um, and it, it seems like stuff is happening, but I would love for it to go just weird. Well, I love how weird they've gone with it, and I love how risky it is. Yeah. Uh, I would love for them to jump into other TV shows. I, I think, from what I've heard, I, I think they are. Um, and I think by the... Yeah, I mean, we'll like, get to the second episode, but by the end of the second episode, like, it's in color. Like, it's full-on in color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, we were talking tonight, uh, Aaron and I were talking tonight just about all the different, like, what if they went to a CSI oh, kind of show, and what if they went to, you know, like a reality TV show, and what if they <laughs> went to, like, I mean, there's so many, I mean, just any type of show, you know, you can imagine them on, you know, like a Lost-type drama, like a, a, a 90s sitcom, like, just absolutely um, anything. I, I think know. I did hear, by the way, I think, I got a feeling they're going to stick to the sitcom format, like the comedy show, as fun as it would be to say, yeah. see them do like a procedural, like a law and order type of the deal, like a deal type of deal. Yeah, like, I think they are going to stick to that sitcom form formula. I think that's the plan. I, I, I heard about one of the shows that they're going to parody, um, on there. I, oh, really? I Which think is? you want to say, yeah, you can spoil it for me. I think they're going to parody the office at one point is what I've heard. Um, Oh my God. I would imagine it won't happen. What I think is going to happen is, like, you know, they'll continue to explore the sitcom tropes going through the decades. Okay. Of, you, you know, different sitcoms, and things change episode by episode. I think each episode, though, is going to reveal more and more details. And, like, in a couple of episodes, they could very well be, like, fully into whatever the plot of this thing is going to be. Yeah. Well, and um, one of my friends said something really interesting. He said, I think... Uh, these episodes are going to make a lot more sense after something is revealed later and we'll go back and we'll watch them and we'll say, Oh, I see what they were saying. Yeah. Oh, see, they're oh, 100%. The time. They're yeah. do you want to start from uh, episode one here? Yeah, go ahead. Just talk yeah. through this. Just kind of, I'm so excited. I've never done a TV recap before. Um, yeah. so episode one, it, uh, the sitcom being parodied here, I think, um, a couple came to oh, mind. I, yeah. I love Lucy. And Dick Van Dyke show is another one I've been hearing. For sure. Who, yeah. by the yeah. way, I just read that um, Dick Van Dyke was brought on as a consultant for this. Oh, that's that, awesome. Uh, and I love Dick Van Dyke. I love Dick Van Dyke. Um, God I, bless I that do. man. He's such a 
he's a national yeah. treasure. Um, he, um, he, it was really cute. I was reading, it was like, I think Kevin Feige or somebody was talking about it. And like, he didn't really have a sense. He knew that Marvel will kind of like put stuff out, but like, he didn't know the extent to like, like the scope of their, you know, their empire. Um, so he was kind of like, you know, talking in his meeting with Kevin Feige, he's like, oh yeah, great. What do you guys put out lately? And Kevin Feige's like, oh, last so week we put out Avengers Endgame. And Dixon's like, oh, very nice, very cool. And then Kevin Feige's like, yeah, it was, I mean, it was the, the biggest movie of all time. And Dick Van Dyke's kind of like, oh, that's a, wait, what? <laughs> and, like, it took him a little bit to, like, get on the same page of what they're talking about here. But, like, and I guess they were already pretty far into pre-production when they brought him on. But, like, cool. he, um, they hadn't shot that, um, that first episode was shot in front of a live audience. Um, so they hadn't shot that yet. And they brought him in to, like, consult on on this, I guess. Well, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, of course, because his show for years, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really appreciate what they're doing with it, but I don't. It's think no, <laughs> I don't think we're, and I don't think we're supposed to at this point. Um, yeah. So yeah. I've seen, you've seen that meme that's like, I have no idea what's going on. They literally like the beginning of the episode. They just there's no explanation. They just dive into the theme song for. That episode, yeah, and, and I think each one's gonna have a different theme song based on what whatever decade they're in. Well, the second episode was definitely Bewitched, yes, or I Dream of Genie. But I'm thinking, was it Bewitched that had the cartoon? Bewitched, yeah. I think I, think, I feel like I Dream of Genie had one too. I, I, Be, yeah. Bewitched was definitely the first same, one that, that I thought of. That '60s art style, yeah. Um, but the first one is very much like it's Wanda and Vision. Yeah. They're married. One's a witch and the other's a robot. It was, um, it's very much like that, very, like, niche, like, it's a very, yeah. like, 50s jingle. That was written, by the way, by, um, the, the ones doing the theme songs for this show are Robert Lopez and, uh, Kristen Anderson Lopez, who won Oscars for, um, Frozen. They did oh, the songs yeah. for that. They wrote Let It Go. And nice. they, um, and Robert Lopez is an EGOT winner. He co-wrote, uh, songs for, uh, Avenue Q and Book of Mormon. Nice. I love both of those. Honestly, those might be my two favorite modern musicals. They're, they're so, oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> I've still never seen Book of Mormon, but I would love to. It's so good. It's so good. The music alone is just like, it's so good. Yeah, I saw Avenue Q years ago. My brother and I got like, you know, TKTS, that like half price. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Day of. So we got those and we literally, we looked at the seating chart and we realized we were in back row furthest to the left. <laughs> like the absolute last row corner spot and it was a perfect view of the stage and it was awesome and we had like the most amazing time it was like this is yeah and avenue q is just it's one of my i think avenue q is one of my favorites it's so the music is so good um but yeah they did the theme uh they did the theme music uh for these episodes Mm -hmm. so but they dive in and it's very much like a it feels like a yeah like a desi and lucy kind of couple um, mm-hmm. very much like, it's very, the humor in this is like very, in this first episode, it's very cheesy. Super it's, 50s. Let me just say like, it's cheesy and it's, you know, it's uh, that style of the 50s sitcom, and, but this is, it's so ex- incredibly like well-written, I thought, like. Yeah, well, and then I think even, uh, the, the magic show in episode two. Oh my God. I mean, it's so, like, so good. It's such great, like comedic there's so many great comedic bits and it could paul, be straight out of bewitched though yeah um, and, and like paul Be- by the way 
major props to Elizabeth Olsen is crushing it. Oh my she, god. The perfect, she's the perfect like sitcom, 50s sitcom, like housewife. When like, she lean, when she leans up against the door with her back and goes, ah, just oh like my, Lucy, it was like, oh my god, it's so they're so good. And I don't think I've seen Paul Bettany have this much fun doing anything since, yeah. not that he hasn't been great in other things, I don't think I've seen him have this much fun doing anything since a night's tale. Yeah, this is so goofy you can only imagine how much fun it is to make oh my god he's i was reading interviews with him about how nervous he was doing like the sitcom format in front of like a live audience and doing that he's so yeah. good at it though yeah it's they both i mean they both are like yeah and when you can imagine like seeing this in a live audience it's like just charming and funny and like, mm. like i mean you, you and me both do the stage and so yeah like, there's just like an energy of live theater, and so you can just imagine like them doing this in front of real people. Oh, yeah. And just being like, ah, it definitely adds something. Again. I can see why they shot this in front of a live audience, because it mm. definitely adds to that energy, I think. It really like, does. And that's, it really does. And it, it does this job. I mean, I mean, this episode, there's not much in the way of like, in terms of what the hell is going on. It's really like, for the most part, Nothing, it's just a yeah. straight episode. Except for. So the plot of this episode is. Vision's new boss is coming and his wife are coming to their house for dinner and they need to impress. And the wife, I gotta mention, because I love this bit of casting, is uh, Deborah Jo Rupp, who, if you've ever seen that 70s show, uh, was Kitty. Oh, of course, yeah. Kitty, yeah. so good on that show. and Her last name is Rupp? Deborah Jo Rupp. Oh, Rupp. R-U-P-P? R-U-P-P. And then um, Fred Melamed is the the boss who's also great. Um, But... The way that they use... So the one moment, other than the last kind of five, ten seconds of the episode, the only moment that really veers away from the sitcom format and kind of lets us know, like, hey, something's weird with this place, is... So she's got this, like, throughout the evening, like... I'm just going to call her Kitty, because that's how I know her. Yeah, no, I her name is Kitty. <laughs> it's Kitty. Like So Kitty is has this attitude... That much like that seventies show where she's like, Oh red. <laughs> Gee, red. She's just like, Oh honey, stop it. Like she has this attitude throughout the entire kinda like, you know, the boss is a little like he's being the fifties boss. Yeah. And in the middle of dinner he's kinda like questioning like where they come from, um, or what kinda what their story is, and it gets a little more intense. And I don't normally focus on profanity. I mean, I have the mouth of a sailor. But, like, yeah. but, I mean, I'm not one to, like, focus too much on profanity, but it's notable for this because this is the only time, in this 50s sitcom oh, format, this is the only time you hear somebody yeah. swear where it says, answer the damn question, or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. And it's this moment, and then he starts choking on his food, and Kitty keeps up this, like, honey, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Throughout. <laughs> it gives you, and just... I'm getting chills even just thinking about this like crazy, bizarre, yeah. surreal moment here. And then Wanda looks at Vision's like, "Help him, Vision." And then he does the thing where he like uses his phases into his neck and pulls out the thing he's choking. Yeah, out. and then it just and then it goes back into the sitcom format, and it's this really like yeah. that's the only time in this episode that like you get any sense of like something weird is going on here. But it's enough. Yeah. It, 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 and it's such a yeah, it's such a crazy moment. Um, oh my god, we haven't even gotten to Catherine Hahn as the nosy neighbor. Oh my god, Catherine Hahn, 
Yes, his nose and ears are amazing. Oh my yeah. god. Um, well, it's just like, for a minute too, I was just like, that is Catherine yeah. Hahn, right? Like, I almost didn't recognize her because she's just so, I mean, it's it's so perfectly her, but it's also just like so perfectly 50s sitcom. Yes, cover. oh, absolutely. She crushes it. This end episode too, like, she's crushing it, and I think she's got way more to come. Um, but she, in this one, she's the perfect, like, nosy neighbor. She's the Ethel to Wanda's Lucy. Exactly. Um, And then at the very end of the episode, it's a very happy ending. Like he impresses the boss. It's great. Um, And then you it zooms out from the credits. It's like fake end credits that roll and zooms out, and you see. Yeah, I actually made the joke to Aaron. I was like, "Oh, we're gonna get post credits." I legitimately did watch through the credits to like see if there was anything, and uh, regrettably, there's nothing. But no, no, there's there's not. Yeah. I remember. I was like, "Do they win the first Marvel TV show?" We we're kind of expecting post credit. You know, yeah, it's like, what? Come on, Feige! Like, you know your audience. Like, put a little, throw a little something in there. Yeah. But uh, that's the end of episode one. They show the dude. There's a mystery, mysterious man watching the. Um, oh yeah. TV yeah. at the end. Um, we don't know who it is. It's got like a series of monitors and machines. What the fuck is going on? Thank God Disney Plus put out both the first two episodes uh, instead of just the one. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, because the first one would have been really disappointing on its own, I think. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I was talking about a co-worker, with a co-worker about the show today, and uh, he he was disappointed in the, the, the length of the episode because it was so short. Yeah, I, um, I, I was expecting him to be around this length. Yeah. Um, I think it's cool. One was 37 minutes, one was 26. Yeah, uh, well, I think including, like, that's all including credits. Like, I think for the first episode, and the same thing I told him today, like, it's to be expected because it is, for the most part, taking the form of this, like, sitcom show. Sitcom, um, yeah. For this, like, 10-minute um, one. Well, I mean, a 10-minute variation is pretty big for episodes. So I actually really like that. One of the first, when Netflix first came out, one of their, like, hey, we're cooler than, than cable because we are creating original content that doesn't have to fit into a, a time frame of... Of TV, yeah. What's weird is that a lot of Netflix shows have ended up being forty-five minutes and twenty-two minutes. Like, yeah. Even so, um, so like, they never really did that. But like, uh, one thing I loved about The Mandalorian was that you never know how long the next episode was. Gonna oh, be. absolutely. And so, so it doesn't need to flow in twenty-two minutes. It can flow in eighteen minutes. Even I'm okay with it being a little shorter yeah. if it fits right. You know, so so that's why I appreciate the the. Time differences. I, yeah, I, I do appreciate that. Um, and I mean, it worked so well for this first episode. And like the next one, like obviously had more details in it, which I think not including credits is about 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, one quick last note about the first episode. Um, there was a commercial break during this. Um, there's just oh, something yeah. that they have been, that they it did was... in the second episode too. These commercial breaks. They're fake commercials. Yeah. Um, the, the first one in the episode, it's for a, a toaster made by Stark Industries. Um, and yeah. one interesting note that I saw in here, one interesting thing I saw here was when the toaster's cooking, there's a few seconds where the light on the toaster is red. And, and it... Oh, really? Hmm? I didn't notice it. Yeah. It, I didn't um, notice. It's for a few seconds. It's the only time you ever see color in this episode <clears throat> outside of the last, like, five seconds. Um, huh. Yeah. So I wonder, like... 
That's Dark Industries, and more on. I got more thoughts on that as we talk about the second episode here. Um, so moving on to episode two, I guess. Yeah. Sweet. But they start. Okay, so they start off. Uh, they got the twin bed. I love the twin beds. Oh my god! Great moment. Uh, <clears throat> and great reference to like fifties stuff. Yeah, and then they um, they hear that bang, and then through they they get super scared. One of them, they both get scared. They're both scared. And they end up bringing the beds together, and then yeah. they end up, like, turning it into one bed through magic. Yeah. So this episode is still in black and white, but there's, like, subtle differences between the style of this one and, like, the one before it. So, like, if the first one was the 50s, this one feels kind of like the 60s. Yeah, a little from I Love Lucy a little more to Bewitched, I Dream of Jane. Like, you kind of notice these. there's these more subtle, different, like, the black and white feels, it feels a little different. Like, it looks... Yeah, when we we talked about the cartoon intro, yes, and that's definitely '60s like pop art art style, uh, oh, just yeah. reminiscent like totally. Oh yeah, like the film quality is a little better. Um, the references are more risque. I thought like you've got Agnes now like has a reference to like drinking alcohol, which I don't think you would have gotten away with in a '50s sitcom. Yeah. You've got <laughs> when they move the beds together. They move the beds together. Wanda and Vision are a lot more flirtatious. Like they're definitely they definitely had se- applied uh, sex at the beginning of that episode. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's just, and I mean, it's those subtle differences. Like you don't notice it at first, but then it's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is a little different. They wouldn't have been able to do this in the fifties. Yeah. So the premise. What was the uh, premise of this one? Oh, it's the magic show. They're gonna do a magic show to impress their community, the community that they've moved into. Yeah, and Vision wants to use real magic tricks, not actual magic tricks. Yes, and they gotta do the whole illusion thing because they gotta keep their secret. Um, which, of course, things go awry because it's a sitcom. Um, it is really clever, though. I mean, if we can just skip to the magic show. Yeah, sure. It's really cleverly written, but it also feels straight out of an episode of Bewitched. Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a great, it's a great comedic premise there. And so he's had gum, and I guess because he's a robot, the gum... I thought they could have leaned into the whole like malfunctioning robot thing, like he's like a start and stop thing, and that was that would have been too yeah. predict- very predictable. I love that they went with the thing like he's practically drunk. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. Right? And it, and I like that people thought he was playing a character uh, as the as the magician character, like whatever. I, I think that worked really well, and it also seemed again just right. With yeah, the and it gave the it's such a it was such a great showcase for Paul Bettany, like. Well, I love too the the cartoon interlude of his gears and his stuff. Yeah. Oh, that was so much. That was so fun. That was fun. Yeah. Um, it's a that, that's the main premise there. You've also got Scarlet Witch, who's like trying to get in with the neighbors. So she goes to like the community planning meeting, and she meets the neighbors. She meets um the one that she needs to impress is Dottie, and then she uh, is helping her clean up, and she hears that voice on the radio. Asking who is doing this to you, Wanda? Right, right. Yeah, and that's something that appears at the end of the episode too. And you got all these. I've seen so many articles wondering, like, who is this mystery? Who is the person? Who's the voice on the end? And it's yeah, yeah. It's we. They've already confirmed. I'm a little irked about it because they already announced the cast member on the show who it obviously is. Like, it's oh, I don't know. Yeah, Randall Park. Uh, reprising his role from Ant-Man and the Wasp as Jimmy Woo. 
Oh, Asian Jim. Yes, yes, yes. Asian <laughs> Jim from The Office. And his name is Jim. <laughs> but he's got, if you've ever seen anything with him, like if you ever see like uh, The Interview or um, yeah, Always Be yeah, My Maybe. Randall Park, for sure. Yeah, he's good. Uh, love Randall Park. But he's got a very distinct yeah. voice. And like, it's definitely him on the end. Like they confirmed him for the show. But who is he in the world, the universe? The, yeah. You know who he is? Well, see, I know an Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think he was FBI. In the comics, huh. Jimmy Woo is a for, is a member of Shield. Okay. Um, which but Shield is gone. Shield is gone. But there is an organization for whose logo you see a couple of times in this episode. Oh, and it's that little it's a it's sword. The sword, yeah. It looks almost like the Jedi logo. Yes. Um, you see it on that helicopter. There's a helicopter, the toy helicopter that pops up in the yard. Mm-hmm. Where oh, you see right. It. Okay. Which is also. Either Vision or Iron Man. I thought Iron Man when I saw it, like the red and gold. Yeah, when I thought, but then also, I mean, Vision is that red too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I thought Iron Man when I first saw it. It could also be Vision, though. Yeah, you're right. Um, But that's got the sword logo on it. I mean, Iron Man made it. And sword was kind of hinted at in the post credit scene of the last Marvel movie, Spider Man Far From Home. Shield. Oh, Sword. They're literally called Sword, right? They're the follow-up yeah. to Shield. Sword. Right? I'm gonna, I gotta look up Sword abbreviation, whatever the hell it stands for. Well, what does Shield it, stand for? Shield. It's not strategic homeland. Uh, some. Whatever. Yeah, I forget what the full. The S H in Shield should be superhuman, but it's not. You would think at this point, right? Sword stands for Sentient World Observation and Response Department. It's basically a space. Shield. It's shield, but in space. Well, I'm gonna say okay. Even if that we know that, we still don't know anything else. We don't know. Um, we do know that Nick Fury is potentially working with Sword. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like they could be the bad guys, or they could be the good guys here. So my thought is like, yeah. if Jimmy Woo was a former member of Shield, maybe he cr- like transitioned over from the FBI to this project at Sword. Okay. Yeah. Whatever this is. So I'm gonna skip to the end here she pregnant she pregnant (laughs) uh she went from not being pregnant to being very pregnant very very instantaneously and um at the very end wanda asks vision is this really happening and he's like yes it is i guess and then they hear a bang they go outside and a beekeeper pops up out of a manhole all right now i googled Marvel Beekeeper. Yeah. And there's a few different options. There are. I think I've seen a couple. What did you find? There's a guy who is <laughs> straight out of Rick and Morty. Literally a swarm of bees called Swarm, I think. Oh, yeah. Or uh, or something. But yeah, he's there's a guy who's literally like a... You remember in Rick and Morty, A Million Ants? I, I, I actually, I'll be honest. I don't really... I, I've only seen a few episodes of Rick and Morty. There's an episode of Rick and Morty. They're kind of making fun of the Avengers, but one of the characters is called One Million Ants, oh and he like he's <laughs> he's getting fight. You know, he like gets injured fighting, and he's like, "It's okay, I only lost twenty five thousand ants." <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's I love that. Um, yeah, I mean it's great. <laughs> so is this this swarm? Is this a Rick and Morty character? Or is this not a is no no? It's a, a legit Marvel, a Marvel ca- okay. uh, character called I think it's Swarm, but I could be wrong, but. It's a swarm of bees. Okay. A, a sentient human swarm of bees. Okay. Interesting. There was the one group I read called AIM. Okay, yeah, I think I saw They're that. They're basically like a group of mad scientists. Um, 
their costumes look, it, the, the beekeeper outfit looks very similar to the um, the aim outfits sure um, that's one theory I've seen but at the end of the, after she sees this beekeeper she's like she says no and then it's like she rewinds like the footage literally rewinds yeah. back to the moment where Wanda asks if this is real um, and after Vision tells her it is it goes in color now to me uh, it seemed like she was choosing to live with her illusion yeah that's uh, that's the impression I got from that so I think maybe she knows what's going on here yeah and well one so I was rewatching Age of Ultron not long ago very nice and well what's really interesting is she has a power that has only been used once or twice in the movies and that she can create reality like uh she uh, she puts, I forget what happens in Age of Ultron, but she like you know puts someone into a different world through their brain, like like some form of like mind know, she, control kind of hallucination, yeah, but like full on, you know, they think they're in a different place, right? Yeah, so so there could be something to do with that because that's one of her powers that has rarely been discussed that she can make people think they're not where they are, yeah. Um, oh, last thing I wanted to bring up about episode two, because they have the commercial in this as well, uh, for oh, yeah. Strucker what Watches. What was that? I don't... The, um... I've wrote... So, Baron Von Strucker of Hydra was the one who gave Wanda her powers. <laughs> using the Infinity Stone. Oh, okay. Um, so, these commercials... The commercials seem to be, like... They all seem to pertain to Wanda's past. Because you've got her par- hers and okay. her brother Quicksilver's parents were killed by weapons developed by Stark Industries, which would explain the first commercial. No. No, I'm not crazy. She, wasn't her dad uh, Magneto? In the comics, yeah. Her dad is Magneto. Uh, at the time, obviously, they couldn't use any of the X-Men characters because they were owned by Fox, but obviously that has since changed. But yeah, so, um, so they could bring Magneto into the fold if they wanted to start working X-Men in, but... I think it's going to take them a little while to get the X-Men in. You know, I'm okay with that. Like, Agreed, agreed. We're good. Um, So we'll see. But yeah, I'm curious. I think... I got a feeling like the next one's going to be... I've heard them talking about Brady Bunch. Oh, I bet that would happen, yeah. So I think that'd be the next, like... Because I think that i got to assume they're going to go to the 70s next. Yeah, Brady Bunch seems right. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, Oh, well, Bob Newhart show... There's one idea from the Bob Newhart show that has always been my favorite. It's that when Bob Newhart ended his first show, whatever, it was called like Bob Newhart Live or whatever, mm-hmm. and then he started the Bob Newhart show, he, in the first episode of the Bob Newhart show, the second show, he wakes up from a dream, and everything from the previous show had been a dream. Ooh. And then it's all his real life is the, is the new sitcom. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh man, so that would be uh, maybe be an interesting nod there. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very. I, I can't wait to see where this goes, though. Yeah, same here. That about does it for uh, today's episode of Two Guys Watch a Movie. We are uh, we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. Wherever you get your podcasts, we love reviews. We want to know how we're doing. Uh. Please do so. Um, 
And thank you all so much for listening. And Tommy, thank you for joining me. Thanks. We love you. We love you all. I am Jordan Ehrlich. I'm Tommy Quartz. We'll see you guys soon. Take care. Thanks. Bye.